Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. My name's Tim, and I get the privilege of serving here. Uh, I get to teach on a regular basis, walk through Scripture uh, with y'all, and, and really enjoy getting to do that. Uh, I want to invite you, we're going to start today in 2 Kings 22. So if you want to follow along, you can flip there. Second Kings is uh, first Second Kings come after First Second Samuel, and it's before First Chronicles, about a third of the way into the Bible. We we've been in this series of teachings on First and Second Kings, and we've been calling it Prophets and Kings. And uh, we've been looking at these these accounts, these stories of our spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith, and and how God met them, and how God walked with them, and how God challenged them. And we've been we've been reading those both to both just to, to learn, you know, how God walks with people, but also I think hopefully for our, to find ourselves getting invited into that same great story that God is writing through all human history to get caught up. The story gets inside of us and we find ourselves getting caught up inside the story, getting met by God in that. And so we're going to continue that today. We're actually coming toward the end of the series. Next week's going to be the last one. Oh, but uh, today we still get to be in Second Kings. So, Second uh, Kings, we're going to start in uh, chapter 22, beginning in verse... One And the words also be on the screen above. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. That's, that's a lot for an eight-year-old. I wasn't allowed to clean the bathroom mirror when I was eight. He is king over a small Middle Eastern nation state. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years until he's 39. His mother's name was Jedida, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Bozkath. And he did, Josiah did, what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David, who David, when they, when, it, when they write father, it doesn't mean literally biological father. father David was his great, 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 great grandfather, his, his um, ancestor. He walked in the way of David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Verse 3, in the 18th year of his reign, so Josiah is 26, in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. And he said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, and also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. Okay, so uh, Josiah, we got King Josiah, he's 26 years old. And uh, he, he, this temple of the Lord, in Jerusalem, there's this, this worship center. That it's in, this, in the kingdom of Judah, which Josiah's king. This is the place that people are meant to come and sacrifice and worship the God who rescued these people out of slavery in Egypt. The God of all reality has rescued them. And he said, this is the place you come and worship me. But what has happened is that Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, was one of the most notorious kings of the southern kingdom. And so during, Mana- during Manasseh's reign, Josiah's grandfather's reign, the, the, the temple was ignored. And in fact, Man- Manasseh brought all these other idols into this temple complex. 
And then um, after Manasseh was his son Amon, who only was there for like two years, but also notorious. And then came Josiah. So by the time Josiah was there, this temple where people were meant to come worship the God who rescued them from slavery, this temple had just been ignored. It had fallen into disarray, disuse, and there's all these other idols in the temple complex. And so Josiah says, we need to, we need to repair this place. We need to fix it up. And so that's what he's doing. He's given instructions for the repairing, uh, the restoration of this temple. So uh, this, something happens in the process. Skip down to verse 8. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. So they're, 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 doing, this, they're doing this restoration work. Uh, on the temple, and they find this book of the law, it says. And it wouldn't, have been a, it wouldn't have been a book the way we physically put books together. It would have been a scroll. And we don't know exactly where they found it. It might have been in the temple archives that they found this scroll that had been ignored. It might have been, uh, sometimes temples in the ancient Near East, they had these almost like time capsules, found a box that the sacred texts would be put in and then built right into the foundation of the temple or built into the walls. So it might have been in a foundation box, might have been in the temple archives, but they found this scroll called the Book of the Law. Later on, it's called the Book of the Covenant. This is, what, what, what's in this scroll is, it's a description of how God, rescued, how God rescued and promised himself to these people and how God told them to walk with him with all their lives. And many scholars, in fact, believe it, it was probably the book of Deuteronomy that they found, which is the fifth, the fifth book of our Bibles. So they find the scroll, the scroll of the law, probably Deuteronomy, and uh, the priest gives it to the Shaphan, the secretary, and he reads it. And then this is what um, Shaphan decides to do with it. Skip down to verse 10. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. So what I thought we'd do this morning is we're going to read through the whole of Deuteronomy. Some of you are like, I'm leaving now. <laughs> I mean, how many have you, has it, I mean, I bet some have tried to like start, like I'm going to read through the Bible. And you start in Genesis and then you get to somewhere, maybe Deuteronomy, and you're just slogging, and you're like, I can't go any further. This is, I don't get it. It's as dull. Or maybe, or maybe, uh, maybe you're, you've kind of had questions about God. You've had questions about Jesus, and you just said, okay, I, I probably should try and read this Bible. And you picked it up, and you just kind of found a spot and started reading, and you're like, I don't, I don't, this seems irrelevant. I don't understand it. This is boring. I mean, even just me joking, like, if we, we just read through Deuteronomy, it's like, well, I don't know if that sounds really connecting with my heart there. It reminds me. It reminds me. Uh, recently, I was on a couple flights. And we, we, had to, we had to fly somewhere and make a connection. So it was kind of two flights there, two flights back. So four flights. And I was thinking about it. And try as I might, I cannot remember for the life of me hearing the safety message. You know the safety, they're like, everyone pay attention, this is the safety message. 
I apparently have so tuned that out that I am just, that is boring, dull, irrelevant. I do not want to listen to that safety. I can't remember. I assume they did it. I can't remember. It's just, I think I don't need it. It's irrelevant. I mean, because really at this point, I've, I've flown enough now where it's like, oh, the mask that falls in front of my face. I'm supposed to put that on my mouth. I didn't, or, you know, the seatbelt bit, right? They're like, I didn't, how do I strap myself down to this seat? That's what this is for. But now that I've got it hooked up, how do I unhook it? Oh, the metal buckle. I was going to try and tear it with my teeth. thought if I could get it started, I could, right? It's kind of, you know, so at this point in my life, I'm th- it's just dull, it's irrelevant, it's boring, to the point where I just sh- shut it out. I can't even remember hearing it. And I wonder that, that, uh, that you know, we hear Josiah is hearing the book of Deuteronomy laugh, but... If we sat and read Deuteronomy, would we experience it in some ways this dull, irrelevant, boring? Is that how it would impact us? Is that how it impacted Josiah? Verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes he tore his robes this is this is one of the most profound reactions that someone can have to an event or to to news or to to words in scripture in fact when you when you go through scripture you could you could do a whole bible study just on tearing robes I was looking it up. I was like, wow, people are tearing robes all over the place. Tearing robes left and right. They, because uh, in, in ancient Hebrew culture that Josiah is part of, it, it's this tangible, tactile, physical, earthy culture that they don't, just, they don't just say, well, let me tell you how I feel. They tear their robes. In fact, I think for some of us, that would be helpful, right? It's like... How do I feel? Let me just, this is how I feel. Let me show you how I feel. They didn't, they didn't just say, well, this is my emotional state. They tore their robes. It was physical. It was a physical, tactile picture. Because when, you, when they tore their robe, this, it was, it, was a, it was a picture of what was going on in their heart. It said, my heart is torn in half. Someone dies. Someone commits a great wrong. There's this tragedy. They tear their road. They, my, my soul is shattered right now. My heart is torn in two. This is what's going on inside of me. Tear their robes. Josiah hears the words of the book of the law. And he has one of the most profound reactions a person can have. I don't think, for those who are familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures... I don't think we should be entirely surprised that Josiah had this kind of reaction. 
Yes, we're familiar that at times these words can, can grow dry and grow dull. But when, when we read this, we also recognize that what Scripture claims about itself, it claims, it claims not just to be uh, words, written by, uh, words written by humans, but it claims that the, the God who made all things who sustains all things, the living God actually speaks through these words. Sometimes you might, you might hear people say something like, well, the Bible says. The Bible says. No, the living God of reality says through his scriptures. This book isn't magic. It doesn't have authority in and of itself. The king of the universe has authority. And he speaks through this book. This book isn't magic. It doesn't just have some kind of magical power in and of itself. But the one who made all things has power. And he speaks through these scriptures. And when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks through his scriptures, things happen. The words of God have power. Not because this is, this is a magic book, but because the God of the universe has power. Over and over in Hebrew scriptures, we see this. The, the, this, this story begins, history begins with God speaking and worlds were created. When God speaks, things happen. God's word has power. After God led his people out of slavery uh, out of Egypt in the Exodus and, and Moses and led them into the desert and God met his people at Mount Sinai. The people, it says, uh, God was speaking to the people and the people found God's words to be so powerful. They begged Moses. They said, Moses, please, you just talk to God and then tell us what he said because we, when, when God, if God speaks to us anymore, we will die. They found it to be such a powerful event they couldn't handle anymore. When God's, God's words have power to them. Later, after Josiah, there's another man who came to Jerusalem. His name was Ezra. And he came to Jerusalem. He called all the people together. And, and, and Ezra read from the scriptures to the people in Jerusalem. And, and it says the people in Jerusalem broke down weeping after hearing the words of scripture. When God speaks through these words as power. Later on, um, later on, centuries later, Jesus comes, the Son of God, and he, and he calls people to follow him. And one of the people that followed Jesus' his name was Peter. And Peter, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter goes to Jerusalem and he tells people the story of Jesus. The same story of Jesus that we have in our Gospels today. And he comes to Jerusalem, he tells people the story, and it says that thousands of people were cut to the heart and decided to turn their lives around on the spot. God speaks. God speaks through his scriptures as power. There's another leader in the Jesus movement. His name was Paul. And he would go to these different Greco-Roman cities. And, uh, and he would go to these cities in the Roman Empire. And he would tell people the stories of Jesus. The same stories of Jesus that we have in the Gospels. And, and over and over again he would show up and tell people Jesus stories. And riots would break out. The words of God have power, not because this book is magic, because the God of the universe is the king of the universe. And he speaks through these scriptures. And this 26-year-old man, Josiah, he hears the words of Deuteronomy read. 
And he doesn't receive them as some dusty, irrelevant text from back then and there. He receives them as the words of the living God speaking to him. And his life is turned inside out and upside down. When God speaks, things happen. So what happens next? Josiah realizes that uh, he needs to do something. So in verse 12, we see what he does. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Asaiah the king's attendant. And he said, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us. Because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. So Josiah, he calls his cabinet together, his top five advisors. And he says, okay, we have to do something. God has spoken to me through these scriptures. We have to, we have to respond in some way. I need you all to, to, to go um, to think about it, to inquire the Lord, to find out how we, I should respond as king, how we need to respond as a nation. And so the five, these five guys, the top five advisors of the king, they, they're like, okay, we are the ones the king has trusted. They put their heads together. What are we going to do? And they're talking and they're thinking and they decide we need to talk to a woman. <laughs> Amen, someone says. I was reading this to Christy. Christy's like, that's kind of like you. You have to do that. <laughs> it's like, thank you. I do. Yes, why? So that, but they do, they say we need to find Holda the prophetess. This, this prophetess who has, who, who is the mouthpiece who speaks on behalf of God. We need to go talk to Holda about this. And so they go to Holda the prophetess who lives in Jerusalem. And they say, this is the experience that um, Josiah has had. And she says, um, she says, okay, tell the king this, that yes, the consequences of this disobedience are going to fall on the nation. But not in this generation because the way Josiah responded. And she says exactly the way she says it. Um, we're going to skip down and pick up in verse 18. She says this, she says, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. So this is um, God speaking through Holden now to Josiah. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard, when you heard, what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer Back to the king. So we have this, this young man, Josiah, he's 26, and he has this profound experience. God speaks to him through scriptures. Life's turned inside up and outside down. 
And, uh, and, and I think one of the questions that I find is why? why? Why was Josiah so impacted by that? And I think in what God says to Josiah here, we get some hints about why Josiah was able, what, why it impacted him so. And God says, he says, he, God names some things about Josiah's response. The first thing in verse 19, he says, Josiah, your heart was responsive. Your heart was responsive. You could translate that word responsive, sensitive or tender. His heart was open to be impacted. Two, um, God says, your heart was responsive. Then he says, and you humbled yourself. That, 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 Josiah, you didn't have this kind of arrogant, you've got it figured out, you can do it on your own, you don't need help attitude. You, you were open to being impacted. You humbled yourself, Josiah. And then three, God says that you tore, God says to Josiah, you tore your robes, and fourth, you wept in my presence. And then God says to Josiah, he says, because you heard me, I heard you. Josiah, because you listen to me, I listen to you. Josiah had this, he had this openness of heart, this sensitivity to heart, this, this responsiveness. He wasn't closed off, he wasn't closed down, he was open. I think he had this profound reaction of tearing his robes and weeping because when, when the scripture came to him, he, 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 opened, he opened his heart up. He was sensitive. The word sensitive, you could almost translate it like, you know, the, 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 the new skin right after a blister is beginning to heal? It's so tender. That is, that is the state of Josiah's heart when those scriptures are being read to him. Not callous, not hard, not turned off, not arrogant. Open. He was open to being impacted. And because of that, when God did speak through his scriptures... Because it was the God, the, the, the voice of the living God of the universe, Josiah was impacted in one of the deepest ways imaginable. When God speaks into someone's heart, things happen. I believe, I believe the one who made all things the one who stepped into human history, the one who is seeking to restore all things, I believe this God is the God who has spoken, who is speaking, and will continue to speak. I believe God still speaks to men and women today through these scriptures. I believe the way Josiah was profoundly impacted by the words of God through Scripture. That still happens in the lives of men and women today. God is still desiring to speak to you through His Scriptures. I want to give us a challenge. I want to challenge us this fall. You know, this is, a, this is a time when kind of things are starting, school's starting. Uh, whether you've got kids in school or preschool or maybe you're going to school or uh, maybe um, you have grandkids in school or maybe you, you don't, maybe it's just, you know, work's busy or maybe it's just you're not camping every weekend and now you're here on Sundays and there's no shame in that. We need our sunshine when we can get it. 
but th- there's always, this is a kind of time of fresh beginnings, right? September, things are starting. I want to, this fall, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to be people. I have a friend who asked me, how, how am I putting myself in the path of Jesus? I want to challenge us to be people who put ourselves in the path of Jesus. That, that uh, we believe the living God of the universe speaks through this book. And we can't force him to talk. We can't, I mean, God is, God is free and um, uncontrollable, but we can put ourselves in places to hear him speak to us. I want to challenge us to be in scripture this fall. If you're here and you would say you're not a Christian, you would say you're exploring, you're seeking, you're questioning, you're, you're just, you've got questions. I would challenge you to read the stories of Jesus. Read Mark or read John this fall. I can't imagine being someone who's exploring about Jesus, but doesn't actually read the stories of Jesus. Read them for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Read them. And read it with an open heart. If you're here today, and you, you, would, you would say, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus I would challenge you, if you have not read this whole book before, make this the year. Just read, make it the year. Get some friends together with you. Commit together that you will have read every word of Scripture at least one time. Get a group and hold each other accountable. Get a one-year Bible. But make it the year that you read Scripture from cover to cover. If you're here Maybe you've walked with Jesus, but you've fallen out of this habit of regularly putting yourself in his path, of regularly listening for his voice through scripture. I wouldn't challenge you to get back into that habit. Make that part of your life. Put yourself in this path. I mean, we, yes, we can't force him to speak, but we can put ourselves in places by, put, by reading scripture. We have the opportunity to speak to us. Or maybe, maybe you're here and maybe, maybe that... That story about how dull the safety message is and how boring Scripture can be, maybe that resonates with you. Maybe, maybe you spend time in Scripture, but it's gone dry and it's lost its power. I would challenge you this fall to pray for the heart of Josiah. He had this, this, this new skin, tender, sensitive heart as he came to Scripture to listen for the voice of God. I would challenge you, if Scripture has lost his power in your life, pray for the heart of Josiah. Say, God, would you give me that kind of responsive heart as I come and listen for your word in Scripture? And when I, when I give these challenges, I, I, I mean that not just like, oh, I wonder what my neighbor will do. No, you. What is God saying to you? You, that he might challenge you to spend time in his word this fall. How might he be inviting you to listen for his voice in scripture? I hope you think about that before you leave today. And I'm not saying this, please, please, please. This is not about earning God points. That is not what it's about. It's not about what it means to be a Christian is that we, you know, you do, you read your Bible every day and that means God's happy with you. And if you don't, then you're, you know, you're getting a failing grade. And no, it's not, this is not about earning points with God. We believe that the God of the universe, that we are accepted, we are forgiven, we are adopted, we are made his, not because we read our Bibles, 
but because of what his son Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection. It is a free gift of grace. And what we see, what we see in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we see an invitation to follow and listen to this God's voice. When when Jesus, uh, the Messiah, when he was on the cross, he was being executed. And uh, the Son of God, he's taking the consequences of the, the, the brokenness and the evil of the world upon himself. And we, we read at, that at the moment that Jesus, the Son of God, breathed his last, that in the temple this place where God's presence was understood to dwell most fully. There's actually in the center of the temple, there's this place called the Holy of Holies. And, and, and surrounding the Holy of Holies was a curtain, this thick curtain. You could, you could say, you could say it's almost like the robe around God's presence. And we read that at the moment, the Son of God died. And at the moment... The Father God watched the Son of God take the sin of the world upon Himself. That the curtain in the temple ripped right down the center. It's as if God was saying, my heart is being ripped in two. That people in this culture, in this time and place would understand that when that rips... God saying this, my heart is torn in two right now. That the death of Jesus, the death of Jesus is God reaching out to men and women. Men and women whose hearts have grown cold and hard and trying to awaken us. The death of Jesus is God reaching out to men and women and saying, no, it's not about earning points. It's I, it is free forgiveness as a gift of grace if you would just allow me to rescue you. The death of Jesus. The death of Jesus is God saying, I want to show you my heart, the heart of the one who speaks through these scriptures. That is the one whose voice we listen for. And so, no, we don't come to these scriptures to earn God points. We come to these scriptures forgiven, believing that the one who spoke all things into existence, the God who tore his robe to rescue humankind, this God still speaks today through these scriptures if we would listen. Let's pray. Lord God, we, uh, I just, I, Lord, I confess that the, um, the idea that you, the one who who called the stars into place and gave them their names, the one who made all things, that you would speak to us. Is, uh, it's a mystery, a sacred mystery that I have to stretch my mind to even comprehend. Uh, Lord God, keep us from putting words in your mouth. Lord God, keep us from playing religious games. 
Lord God, keep us from making you into our own image. Lord, would you give us, would you give me a truly a sensitive heart like Josiah, that we would hear you, uh, the one who tore his robes, speaking to us through these, uh, these scriptures that you've, you've, you've uh, had written down and preserved through the ages. Give us hearts to hear you, that we might love you and follow you with more and more of our entire lives. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.